Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of The Drop, the official podcast of the 130th Airlift Wing. I'm Master Sergeant Dewan Haley, a public affairs specialist with the 130th Airlift Wing. One of our missions with The Drop is to highlight the unique stories of our unit members. We are a unit with members who have diverse backgrounds and life experiences, so it is our goal to tell the stories of how these incredible individuals became part of our unit. With me today is one such individual, Airman First Class Jordan McCormick, a services airman assigned to the 130th Force Support Squadron. Thank you for being on the show today, Airman McCormick, and I just want you to um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, all right, my name is Jordan McCormick. I've been born and raised in Charleston, West Virginia for pretty much all my life. Um, I grew up in different parts of the town. I've lived in City Park, around Glenwood Avenue, Little Page Terrace. So I've been around more, let's say, lower-income housing uh I was, I spent a stint, a couple years, well, a year living in a shelter with my grandmother. Um, I'm at West Virginia State right now. I'm a junior in college, going back. have about three, three more semesters left. Um, so growing up in Charleston, it was very difficult time. Um, I was adopted in the first grade by a lady named Crystal McCormick. Um, growing up, was it was okay in the beginning. Um, she was really determined, uh, young um, African-American lady, single parent raising kids. So, you know, growing up was good. Um, so how many kids were with you? It was after everybody was adopted. Well, two of them, I have four siblings, I have one sister and two brothers. And so to adopt children, I believe you have to be 17 years or older than the kid that you're trying to adopt. So officially, only two of us got adopted. That was my brother, Manuel Lovano, and me. Um, my sister and my brother just came to live with us. So altogether, there was seven of us living in the household. Okay. So were those, you said brothers and sisters. Were those blood relatives? Yes, sir. Um, Sabrina Kincaid, that's my sister. My other brother was Jonathan Kincaid. That's my brother. And those are all blood relatives. The, um, her kids was Scott Breeden, Brooklyn Breeden, and uh, Honesty McCormick. Okay. Okay. So I know we were talking earlier, and um, you have a unique background as far as, you know, your – talk a little bit about your biological father and – your mother. Okay. Um, my biological father pretty much, he actually got deported. Um, he was actually working on a visa and it actually ran out. So I was told by my mother and my grandmother that at an early age, probably like one or two, that I, I can't visually memorize, memorize in my own past seeing him. So he got deported back. He's from Lima, Peru. Um I, I keep in contact with him on Facebook and Marketplace, but he speaks Spanish, so, you know, I yeah. got to get – I'm taking classes now to learn the language. also have sisters over there. Um, I have one sister. I have a grandmother that live over there. Um, my biological mom, she her name is Carrie. Um, she she has a schizophrenic, and She's like mentally ill, so it's like it's hard to have a real conversation. And at a young age, 
I can remember her just sitting on the couch and like just having a tough time to talk to her and have like a real conversation and her actually being a real mother. It was uh it was hard to grasp because you know as a kid you always want somebody to love you yeah. and somebody to actually talk to and explain your emotions to, but mm-hmm. It's like she she couldn't couldn't find the time. I had to realize it in my own head. Like it's okay. It's actually something wrong with her. It's like she can't be a regular person because this is how schizophrenia works. This is how mental illnesses work. So I had to at a very young age realize that. So my granny raised me pretty much all the way up to first grade when I was adopted. Okay. And right now I believe my mom. I'm not for sure where she lives. She lives I think in a middle home and like still to this day I can't set like how we sat down and have a legit conversation okay. like she's she probably won't even remember like who i am yeah as a person so that you know sometimes that gets tough but i mean i'm here today because mm-hmm. of god at the end of the day so yeah. i thank him for that and that she's still alive so so what were some things that you actually did to yeah i think as a child um going through that, you know, having a mother that you kind of see that you can't have, like, normal conversations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What was kind of, like, your outlet to, you know, express yourself? I'm going to express myself. I would say playing sports. Um, I always wanted to play sports, but I didn't get the opportunity to actually play until, like, my fifth grade year. Mm -hmm. um, I played for Midwestern on B team. So that was, like, my way to, like, get my anger out and, like, the situation that I was going through. Um, that was a way for me to talk to people and open up in that, in that type of way growing up. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your mentors? Um, Some yeah. of my mentors I had. Especially growing up during oh, that yeah, time. Oh, uh, yeah. Growing up, let's see, during that time, like, first through eighth grade, I, it, it was a pretty – it was a pretty hard time. Um, I know a lot of people talk about the opioid demon and like I was really, really directly affected that by that. Like my my person that adopted me, um, like it, it, it hit hard. When I say it hit hard, I'm talking uh like I you see it firsthand, like waking up in the morning and like pills and like smoking marijuana every day. Like that that's just type of environment that I grew up in, like Every day, this is what I saw. So, um, like, it, it was really tough because you, I, at the end of the day, I had to really grow up. Um, I had to look at life different. Um, it, the type of, like I said, like, this is, I saw every day when I woke up. Um, and by by seeing that, I knew I didn't want to do that, and uh, I had to. This when I was playing football, I had to talk to different mentors. So, like, Jeff Biddle, he's a um, youth leader in my community. Um, he's really helped me, like, talk about situations. Um, for the longest, I would never open up about, like, my past and, like, people just doing drugs in the family and, like, how it really affected me, how, like, I really never had a father figure to teach me the ways of life and how I had to grow up really fast and really quickly, um, how to – Man, in situations, how to be, like, in this situation, how to act professionally in a professional environment. Because all I knew was I didn't know how to correctly act in situations. Like, I, I was never taught how to be a gentleman, how to 
show respect to other people. So I had to learn all these custom courtesies, how to have values, how to have goals. Like, so I had to learn that pretty fast. Um, so Jeff Biddle um, opened me up to about God. Um, you know, I was very passionate about when he actually came to me and talked to me because it was like, this man doesn't even know me. He doesn't even, you know what I mean? He came out of his own will to come talk to me about it. So, you know, I bought in. I bought into the system. Uh, he started reading verses every day, going to church. Um, it really changed my life. I feel like God kept me out of a lot of trouble because at the end of the day, I felt like I could have been killed. Um, I could have been selling drugs. I could have been on the other end of a bullet or, you know, because that's, that's all I knew. Everybody in my family, that's all they did was sell like sell drugs, do drugs. Like nobody wanted to be a professional. Nobody wanted to step up and be a man and become something better or do something with their life. Like, um, like growing up, I used to sleep in two king size bed. Like I remember it before of us laying in the bed. Um, so, you know, that, that was pretty tough growing up and realizing that. And sometimes I, after eighth grade, I left my house because it, like I said, it was a situation that at a young age, I had to realize and know that if I want to be anything in life, it, this is not a situation, a type of environment that you can produce and be successful in. So, uh, you know, I started, basically, I just started living friend to friend house, started living with my granny sometimes. Um, I can vividly remember, like, sleeping on the streets for, like, a couple of days. So, that, that honestly, that was probably the toughest times was in high school and, like, moving house to house and, uh, also staying in school, like having to stay in school, study, and uh, being a part of the football team, like that took up time. Um, that that was honestly probably the toughest. And, and you know, not growing up as a man, you, you always want to, like growing up, I'll say, like minorities, like you want to impress people that you don't need to impress. Like I, I wanted to have the newest shoes. I was like, I was looking at some of my friends, like why'd you, why you got that and I can't have it. You know, I used to get down on myself about stuff like that. But as I grew older, I realized that, I mean, that it, it that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is, like, your character, the way you treat people, um, your your spiritual aspect, um, how, how you can treat others, um, bringing people up with you, t- telling your story, um, uplifting people. You know, that, and that's what I really find my passion in um, growing up and having values, um, integrity. And I know we was talking about uh, the Air Force stuff, and, you know, some people might just look at it and have an integrity and excellence in all we do in service before yourself. But, like, before I came here, you know, I always wanted to have um, – I wanted to be a great person, but I didn't hang around with the best friends. So, like we was talking about, you are who you hang hang around. So, if I'm hanging around with bad people, you know, how how am I supposed to be going to college and, you know – making something to myself when I'm hanging around people who are not doing the same. Right. As for say. So, you know, it came to a low point um, again in, let's say, sophomore year in college. I was dropping classes. I failed, actually, my first math class. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was pretty hard. Like, I never failed a class, and I was thinking, like, man, like, how the heck, how did I fail? You know, I'm getting soft. Like, this isn't me. So, I had to I had to actually sit down and really look in the mirror, mirror and like ask myself like is this is this what you gonna do because I mean you dropping all these classes and eventually it's gonna be like you gonna go back you just gonna say forget school it's not for me 
Um, and you just going to give up. And I was just at a low point, like in my mental aspect. Um, like I said, not having a father, like I, I, I still, I mean, I'm still growing to this day. I feel like yeah. you can grow every day and become oh, exactly. a better person. hundred yeah. percent. Cause I mean, till this day, I'm still growing and I'm figuring out how to network and talk to people, yeah. people still. So, um, that 10th grade year, I had to really do some looking in the mirror and, um, Around December time, um, I remember, I think it was like December 15th, I went and talked to um, Sergeant Walker. Mm -hmm. And, we, you know, we sat down and talked about, like, things. I talked about them just about life and how life's going. Um, and we had actually had a serious conversation about, like, what's the next step in life and what the Air Force has to offer. Yeah. And um, at first I just thought, you know, I'm going to just talk to him about it. Maybe, you know, I'll get my stuff together. Um Maybe the Air Force isn't just for me. I'm just talking. You know, I'm just doing yeah. it in the moment. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> for reference. We're talking about um, Senior Master Sergeant Travis Walker. He's a he's another services troop for the one thirty airlift wing. And how did you um, link up with him? Um, I linked up with Travis because I date um Haley Snodgrass, and that's some somewhere along the family tree. He's related to him, so I've known Travis say. For a long time since high school. He used to come to my football games, and uh, I knew of him. And, like, I used to talk to him every now and then. He used to come to the house, and, like, Christmas parties and stuff. He always used to ask about me, like, what are you doing for college? Where are you going? You getting the offers? And stuff, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we sat down and talked. And I don't think he think I was serious, like, because I actually signed. Say, this is in December. Like, mm -hmm. the next year in September 30th, that's when I actually signed the dotted line. So, I mean, I think it was a surprise to him and a surprise to me and myself that I actually signed. Yeah. But, um, honestly, it, it was, it's, it's been the greatest thing that I've done in my life so far because not only am I surrounding myself with good people, like genuinely good people, like mm -hmm. drug-free people and people that genu genuinely cares about you and want to see you succeed and, and having that integrity and having that, excellence in all you do like I really do take pride in that and try to be the best person that you can be in all aspects of life I mean that's I just feel like that's what everybody should mm -hmm. do so I do take the core values and integrate them into my own lifestyle but I mean going to BMT and going to tech school like that really honestly changed my life yeah yeah I remember you talking the other day about how <laughs> you know a lot of people when they see BMT and they see tech school and stuff like that, they get scared because yeah. people are going to be yelling at them and telling them what to do. But you actually saw it as, like, structure. Structure, yeah. And um, like I said, you know my background, no parents. Like, I've, I've always been wanted to look for structure. I've mm -hmm. always wanted structure. And, like, I got structure throughout playing football throughout high school and being a part of, like, championship teams and playing in high-level high football, you know. Um, so – BMT and tech school really gave me that structure to, like, become a man. And, like, when we used to actually sit down and talk and have airman's time, like, people used to be us. I'm not going to lie. They didn't take that stuff serious. Like, when you talk about spiritual, mental, and financial goals, like, I sit there. I'm like, okay, because I've been through a lot of my life on, on some on some real stuff. I've been through a lot. So, I'm sitting here. I'm thinking, like, what can I do to become a better man spiritually, financial? And I used to take notes. i never forget. Technical Sergeant Perry was my um, he was my instructor, and I was just thinking, man, he always 
yelling at me? What am I doing <laughs> wrong? But then at the end of the day, you got to realize it's a game, and, and you just got to get through it. Um, I remember getting off the bus at BMT. I'm thinking. I, I was scared. To, that was actually my first flight actually leaving Charleston. I was always scared to think outside the realm. And that was kind of the reason why I didn't. I thought I was acting out of spite. And in the moment to join the Air Force, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I've never left Charleston. Like, yeah. I'm really thinking outside the bubble. I'm yeah. going to be traveling. I'm on the yeah. plane. Yeah. I saw snakes on the plane. Yeah. Now, I, don't know <laughs> I don't know if we really going to be flying that long. Right. So, you know, I was kind of nervous. But um, I think that was a big step because – not only I left, I finally left Charleston and I got out my comfort comfort zone and I saw the world in a different way that mm-hmm. I've never seen it. And it and like it's 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 okay to leave where you're from and become a better person. It's okay to surround yourself with people in the Air Force or people that's doing things to make their life better. And um, that that was a one of the biggest eye awakening up too. Yeah. Like it's it's because your mind can be a crazy thing. It can hold like it, it's inceptions or whatever you call it, it can you can put your mind can have you thinking something that's not true like, yeah i just think oh outside of charleston nothing's good out there you know like i was scared to move out and move beyond but like after doing that i mean i feel like the world is mine and i can do anything mm-hmm. now that i got people like general walker um colonel chard colonel farmer um people like you in my life now that I can network and have more mentors in my life and they right. can push me to become a um, better person. Also, Major Sherrod, um, mm-hmm. Sergeant Walker also. Mm-hmm. Like, BMT, honestly, I, I, I tell this to everybody. You know, people think I'm crazy, but, like, BMT was honestly the first time I had my own bed to sleep in. Yeah, A little twin-size bed. Yeah. You, think, <laughs> you think, oh, man, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't worried about that. Like, some people thinking, like, that bed sucks. I mean, to genuinely sleep on my own bed for five months straight, like, even though it was a pandemic, like, I try to find things in life that you can pull more positive or pull positives out of negatives. Because I, if you look, go and looking for negatives, that means that's just all you're going to find, you exactly. know what I mean? And yeah. it's just going to depress you or make you think negatively. So mm-hmm. I was pulling out positives, sleeping in my own bed, and, like, just thinking about after sleeping in, like, beds for – with four or five different people all throughout my life, never had my own room, never had my bed to sleep in. So I, I really, I took pride in like making my bed as little, as kind of weird as that sound, but yeah. I took pride because it was actually, I took ownership because that was the first time in my life I ever got to sleep in my bed, yeah. and um, and I and, and it was it was a great time. We got to tech school, and that's when people start really like complaining about oh how it's bad and. And I, and I got to tell the story. I met this um, great guy, Gregory Adamson. He's actually the U- University of Tennessee strength and conditioning Olympics coach, and that's the degree that I plan on to expand on in my civilian side. Um, but I told a story because we used to do mentorship, and uh, everybody was talking positive and how the room sucks. It's always cold, and, like, I don't like my roommate. I was like, are you serious? Like, Right. People don't realize how good that they got it at home. And uh, I told the story. I was like, this is the first time. I'm happy. They looked at me. Everybody looked around. I was like, what? You <laughs> like this room? It's 76 degrees. This bed ain't comfortable. But this ain't like my uh, Tempur-Pedic I got at home. I was like, look, I've never slept on the own bed by myself. I've literally, like, not have my own room in my life. I've never had this type of 
stuff given to me and, you know, trust it with it. So, you know, I, I really took pride in that. And I, I mean, Air Force is like home, if I can just say it like that. Yeah. It, it's truly a home because it's giving me stuff that I never had and giving right. me ownership. And uh, it's instilling values in me that I can use in future generations and um, try to cut these generations of mistakes and try to cut them in half and right. uh, try to raise um, – Try to use these values to become a better person and think about my future and like my future kids and like show them the mistakes and you know instill things that I mistakes I made in my past to help them and become a better person also. Right. So that's one thing we didn't talk about earlier, and I didn't even think about it until you just said it. But going through BMT and all that stuff during the pandemic, how was that? Honestly, the first two weeks we got quarantined. You know, everybody knows Air Force is be flexible as you can be. Right. One, one, you get told one day we're doing this, next day, okay, change plan. Mm-hmm. So we end up getting quarantined, and that was honestly the most mental part of the whole process because we couldn't talk to really anybody. We got maybe a fifteen minute phone call once a week, so that was kind of mentally tough. Because, you know, you prepare yourself to get yelled at and always be busy every day doing work, doing something. Right. So, I mean, to actually sit in a room from two weeks and only come out for um, lunch and dinner. and It, it was kind of, honestly, that was kind of like one of the hardest mental stages through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, by the time we got out of quarantine, it was like, okay, you can yell at me. I'm ready to get this yeah. thing on the road. Yeah. Um, I'm ready to get it on the road. Um. Texas is just hot. I'm going to just go yeah. I'm going yeah. <laughs> to go ahead and say it. it. Especially with the coronavirus going on and we got to wear the mask. Mm. It was hot, man. Yeah. I was sweating. It, it was crazy. But um, they did make – they instilled a lot of accommodations, uh, different little things that we should do, like social distancing. I mean, they, they was a big deal on that, Um, wearing our masks. You know, I thought, oh, man, like they – kind of like doing too much but then i had to realize i also take care of my grandmother um and little page i, I stay there like i give her a medicine take her to her doctor's appointment and stuff right. so i mean for her to get coronavirus it would be detrimental to her yeah. compared to what i would get so you know i, I kind of took it serious after a couple of days i realized it mm-hmm. um but it honestly it was, it was hectic it was yeah, a little bit hectic because it hit at a time soon as i like I mean, they was talking about coronavirus and, like, what if and before I left. But then when I got there, it's like, okay, this is serious. We yeah. got people coming in with it. Like, we need, we need to get a hold on it. Right. Right. So it, it was it was difficult. Yeah. But, I mean, they did the best thing that they could do because it happened. It happened mm-hmm. like that, you know. S- stuff start, start shutting down, so they had to act in the moments. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. they did the best they could do. That's good. That's good. So, talk about – um. What are your future plans? First, what are your future plans for just outside in the community? And then what are your future plans within the 138th Airlift Wing? Um, my future plans is to first finish my degree at West Virginia State. I have about three more semesters till I get my bachelor's. I want to get my master's. Then after I get my master's, well, while I'm taking my degrees, I want to take my AFOQT. I want to commission as an officer. I just feel... In life, um, I feel like now that I've done and been through all this stuff, I use it as motivation. And uh, 
I actually told a story at BMT, and uh, I said I wanted to be an officer. Um, I just want to be that type of leader. I feel like once you're an officer, like, you're, like, really a leader, and people, like, look up to you, and that's what I like about in life. And somebody actually laughed about it and just, like, jokingly. But it was, like, one of those laughs that, like, it's, it's like, okay. It's like, like laughing. you're challenging again. me. Yeah, you challenged yeah. me, and you don't know me, so... And, like, me, like, if somebody do something, it's just going to push me harder. Like, the doubters, like, I would say the haters, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, that just made me go harder. So, I plan on commissioning as an officer. I would love to work at the 130th Air Wing. Um, um, just to work here and make this place a better place. Because I truly believe, um, I think outside the box, I can bring to the table some things that other people can't. And uh, I've been through a lot, I mean. You just look at my past as we was talking about. Um, I'm willing to work. I'm a hard worker, determined. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to find the answer. Yeah. And we're going to find a solution. Um, but in, in plans inside the community, what I've um, recently, I actually just started yesterday. So uh, I wanted to start this uh, mentorship with, uh, I played at Capitol High. I want to go back to Cap Capitol High because there's a lot of at-risk children as, as in myself. And we didn't really have mentorships that people that's, graduated and you know that's coming back and talking to the kids we're like actually keeping in touch with them like on a daily basis um so what i would like to do and if well, what i'm doing right now is uh i'm taking uh i started out with three kids so i got three kids uh, i called a mentorship thing it's called arc arc at risk cougars um so i've got three kids uh tejans quez and lawrence i call them lp you know, they all got nicknames, so yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. still working with that. <laughs> so, you know, um, what we did last night, I actually got in a group FaceTime with them. Um, we was talking about um, goals in life. Uh, what's your what's your core values? Like, what what are, what are you going to do to get you out of the situation that you're in? Uh, what's your school school goals, like maintaining a 3.0? Because I believe, I mean, a 2.0 is just something that's average. I mean, we right. want to be better than average, you know, because yeah. everybody can be average. You just wake up and you can be average, yeah. so. I truly believe that they should be doing better than a 2.0. So, you know, and for them guys to sit down and talk to me, I think that's a big step in their life because you know they that they actually taking the time out of their day to um, become a better person. Right. We talked about financial goals. and Just go ahead and get them on a financial track to think about saving money, creating a little bank account, little steps like that. Mm -hmm. That'll go a long way, how to manage the money. Let's yeah. say I give them $100, like how – Instead of going buying the newest Nikes or something, how, how to put some of that away, you know, right. save it up for a rainy day because right. not everybody got a rainy day account. Mm -hmm. um, season goes for football. Uh, spiritual goals, that was one of the biggest ones we really sat there and talked about. Um, you know, most of them, even myself, uh, we talked about, like, we need to read the scripture every day, uh, send a verse, motivational speeches. We need to talk about that more. Uh Read the Bible, really understand, not just read something, just understand the Bible in the context of Senate. Um, and so uh, every day we're going to be sending a Bible verse and a mentorship. So today I started, I sent the, in our group chat, I sent the Bible verse and a um, motivational speech for them to, you know, lift them up through the day if they feel down. And like we're going to go Tay Hines is tomorrow, um, Quez is the next day, I believe Lawrence is the next day. So, you know, just grabbing these young kids because, you know, I mean, throughout high school, I mean, it, it's kind of the toughest times of life because right. once you turn 18, people don't realize, and like myself, like you're on your own. Right. These decisions that you make and these, like you're on your own. If you don't have your life together, your mental, your spiritual, like 
core values, I mean, life's going to hit you in the face. It's going, it's going to hit you fast. Yeah. And, um, and one of the main reasons why I really started that, um, is because I had two friends, uh, I played football and kind of looked up to, um, that re- recently passed away. One committed suicide and, uh, one, uh, got killed last year on second Avenue. Right. Uh, Traquan Gibson got killed last year. Um, and I grew up with him. I grew up with his brother, uh, Malik. You know, we grew up together in City Park. So I actually knew him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, now, throughout high school growing up, we kept in touch. Like, we talked to each other, but it wasn't as the same as some people would say. But, you yeah. know, just to see him, you know, get killed at a young age. And, right. um, and imagine if somebody mentored and grabbed his attention and, taught him the ways, mm-hmm. taught him different things. You know, and it was always a part of my life. I wanted, I actually saw him. I wanted to lure him in my circle. But, you know, I was still dealing with my mental and my spiritual because I got to take care of myself before I take care of anybody else. Right, you know right. what I mean? So dealing with that and um, recently, uh, and like I said, man, we we don't grow up with the best situations. Like at home, mm-hmm. like we can go home into a professional environment, but we go home, it's drugs, like, Guns, you know, right. stuff that's just not mm-hmm. some people would see as regular. Like, yeah. um, and then recently, uh, Tyrell Davis, um, I played football and it's somebody I really truly looked up in football that got me playing. He played for Midwestern. I mean, he was like the Michael Vick, right? Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know, Tyrell, he, he used to do his thing on the field. So, it was some, somebody that actually got me into the game and actually truly loved the game, uh, and motivate me. Uh, he's a great guy, used to hang out with him in high school. I mean, he's a, he's a good leader. Um, I used to, I remember going over to his house and just hanging out with him, you know, playing 2K. Um, so, I mean, he was a good guy. Just always talked to him. Great guy. I mean, talked to you, like, always happy. Like, yeah. you would never think um, someone would do that in, in his type of nature because the man's always happy, and uh, you never know what's going through somebody's head. Right. So, I, and. I just had to look back and, like, think about, like, my mental things and, like, how have I accomplished and uh, ways that I did it and, like, how can I apply this to these kids that's growing up in the ARC, the um, at-risk Cougars um, thing, and I'm going to help them talk about challenges that we go through from the, the lower income or minorities, however you want to put yeah. it. Like, how, how can we become? Because I know it's, like, a stigma people want to talk about especially how you was talking about, like, in the black men community, it's like when they talk about mental health, they think they're not hard or, like, it's, right. it's not yeah. it's not something that you should talk it's about. It's taboo. Exactly. Very it's taboo not, it's, it's forbidden. It. You don't want to yeah. talk about that. You ain't gangster or you are not hard or whatever. Like, just deal with it. Yeah. And it's just not something that you can deal with because what it will do is eat you alive, like, mm-hmm. in your head, and you start thinking things that you don't need to think about it. But, like, for me, I was opening up and talking to, like, Jeff Biddle, my pastor, and, like, praying to God. So, I'm I'm okay to talk about it. Unlike some people, like with Tyrell, I'm not for sure what he was going through, but yeah, he committed suicide and uh, shot himself in the head. So, you know, that really woke me up and like going to his funeral. And I didn't go to I seeing the um, open casket stop by. You know, it really opened up my eyes and like yeah. what did I want to do in life, like and all the things that I've been through, and like what I could have been, what I could have done. Um, it really honestly opened up my eyes because, I mean, this guy has so much potential. And if he just had one of those mentors or, like, I mean, I preach this a lot because, I mean, drug-free, I mean, it's the best thing to go 
because, mm-hmm. like, you use it to cope with things that you're not accepting in life and something that's not going to benefit you in a way. So, I mean, I wish I could have sat down and talked to him and asked him how's his mental aspect and thing. How is he doing? Because, you know, I mean, it's a lot of things that was going through my head. But, I mean, like I said, I take I try to take positives out of negatives. So, you know, I really wanted to start that mentorship after seeing him uh, pass away in the way that he did and how he's evolved in the community and how he committed to a championship and brought one to Charleston. So, you know, I think that's what I plan on doing also with the mentor. Mm-hmm. Showing these young guys how to do it, um, ways to get overcome obstacles. Uh, talk to them about the Air Force and different ways. Um, but also, I like to, on my civilian side, I like to be a strength and conditioning coach, um, like coaching football. Right. And I feel like I connect to younger athletes and like athletes in college because mm-hmm. of my background. Like I've come from lower income. Yeah, housing. you've been through the grind. Yeah, you know what I mean? I've been through the grind. I, I didn't see the worst of the worst. Yeah. You know, I, I I done slept on. Many people's couches, you know right. what I mean? I, I done slept outside on a cement and at a young age in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd have been homeless. I, I know what that feeling feels like and what, what it is to overcome it. And, uh, you know, growing out without a father, I mean, that's a big thing a lot of people can't handle, you yeah. know. It, it can really drive somebody crazy. But and that, that's what I feel like I can coach when it comes to the coaching game. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm always open up with another thing when it comes to coaching. Like, you got you got to be willing to open up and learn. Right, you got to learn every day of your life. You're you're going to have to learn, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that's a big thing about me. I always want to learn. Um, you know, I feel like every like I say every day you can become a better person. Right. Uh, that's why every colonel like last couple of days. I mean, I've I've been networking with so many people. <laughs> I just want to like I can get a shout out to General Walker. I mean, truly amazing man. I sat down in his office and was just talking to him, and gave him my life story. And he was so intrigued. He's been networking me, getting me in touch, and really, truly helping me. Right. And it's like, you can't find people that genuinely cares. If it's if it's not benefiting them, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of people that truly, truly cares, cares about yeah. people and trying to help them. So I, I really got that impression, and that really stuck to me, like the type of person he was, because he's been networking with me, Colonel Chard, Colonel Farmer, um, different Different colonels and different jobs, um, Colonel Ray, and really networking me and guiding me, giving me. I also asked him for like books I can read. He gave me books to read and become a better person, leadership, uh, mentally sharp. Mm-hmm. So that's a big thing. Um, but my main plan is to commission. Um, I just what I like about the Air Force is is like the accountability, the drug free. Like I say, the drug free because I mean that's all I grew up around. Yeah, it was it's around like, drugs and. Mm-hmm. Things like and that, just yeah. environment is just everybody. It's people that genuinely care, and they don't do it for the benefit of themselves. They do it for the benefit of it'll help them, the other person, become a better person. Right. In the future. You know? And I and I truly respect that, and I and I love that about this environment mm-hmm. because I mean, in the streets, a lot of people don't. It's it's about me, and that's how I used to think. It's all about me. Why why would I care about another kid or somebody growing up? Right. So once I grew up as a man and. uh Opening up about myself, you know, why why not on this road of success and journey and becoming a better man? Why can I not guide other young kids that's going through the same thing as me? Mm-hmm. Why can I not take two or three? You know, I plan on taking more, like say around twelve, um, and taking them on, guiding them through it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, they can be helping me and I not know. You know exactly. what I mean? They can yeah. be sending me a verse a day, 
and they can be motivating me, seeing how hard they're going and how mm-hmm. how they look up to me. That can be a that can be a key thing yeah. for me too. So, and it's it's all good stuff. Oh yeah. So as we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to put out in the atmosphere, so to speak? Put, put, put out in the atmosphere. Um, I say, um, I mean, just talking about Tyrell and how he passed. I mean, R.I.P. That really, um, it truly hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing personal friends grow up and uh, pass away at a young age and have so much potential as we was talking. Um, yeah, I think it's important, too, because a lot of times, you know, I lost a real close friend when I was 19. Lost a few friends, but he was real close to me. And mm-hmm. you just realize how close that could have been to you. 100%. Yeah, like just one wrong move or one. One you know, decision. Yeah, yeah, one decision. It could have been you. Exactly. And I think that's one thing that's real good about you going back and helping um, those kids back at Capitol because, you know, you can be that person that changes the Yeah, it changes their – changes them before they make that one wrong move. 100%. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, I, I can be the person that breaks generation curses amongst right. the community. And – um. Because like right. you're doing it in your own, exactly in your own life, and people are like surprised yeah. as hell when they see me out there in Little Page and like these lower income communities. Like I'm out there running around, I'm mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm doing things that none of these guys are really thinking about doing. And it's like, okay, maybe I need to get my stuff together, you know? Right. And that and that's what I truly do it for, honestly. Because, like I said, there wasn't a lot of people growing up and like really out there trying to be motivational or like yeah, try to impact you and have a good impact. You know, I yeah. mean, it was some guys don't get me wrong. Um, like yesterday I went on a three mile run. I mean, on the West side and some people might, well, why the hell are you running on the West side? You know, that's dangerous. I mean, if I'm scared to do that, then I'll be scared to do a lot of things. So I think it's just showing them kids, like do anything you want. Um, put your head to it. I mean, you ain't got to be scared of your own community. Um, mm-hmm. I just think about running and doing things inside the community that gives them motivation, you know. Right. Instead of seeing, like, people always drinking, smoking, doing drugs, you know, just staying at home, not being productive, you know, it really gives them that that uh, image in their head that they can do something. Right. Um, well, hey, once again, I just want to thank you for um, being on the show. And this is going to do this for this episode of The Drop. For more information about the 130th Earl of Wing, Visit us on the web at www.130aw.ang.af.mil. Additionally, you can find us on all major social media platforms. Lastly, you can see us in the skies delivering freedom with courage. This is Master Sergeant Dwan Ailey reminding you to stay ready to go.